Well, what would you expect? After all, who has the fastest brain in the land? Prince Edmund, Duke of Edinburgh. Who is the boldest horseman in the land? Prince Edmund, Duke, Duke of, of Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Who is the bravest swordsman in the land? Oh, don't tell me that's that ill from North... Prince Edmund, Edmund Duke, Duke of Edinburgh. Precisely. Or, as I shall be known from now on, the Black Vegetable. <laughs> My lord, wouldn't something like the Black Adder sound better? No. Wait. I think I have a better idea. What about the Black Adder? What you are about to hear is a labor of love. Our love is for the music, and the music is for the people. We at Rockstrex10 and cnjradio.com have always recommended that any music we promote on our shows be legally purchased, downloaded, and or streamed. We feel this way not only for our network of shows, but for all music-based shows. By supporting the artist in this way, more music can be created and the industry as a whole can prosper. The music is owned by their respective labels, or hopefully by the artists themselves. This broadcast is owned by cnjradio.com. Our only mission is to promote the music we love and promote the legal purchase of it. Enjoy the show and turn it up. Welcome to Rock Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the show here today, especially if you're doing it at the central station of cnjradio.com. So yes, welcome back to 1982. We're in the midst of the top 80 albums of 1982. So I definitely learned this while doing these particular shows. Apparently, like, three sitcoms that were in the massive upper echelon of my go-tos, some of the funniest shows ever made, all came out in 1982. Cheers, Young Ones, and Black Hatter. How cool is that? 82 freaking ruled on that front. So, yeah, I had to throw that one in at the beginning right there. Hope you enjoyed that. If you know, you know, right? Okay, so back to the countdown. Just getting right into it. Coming in at number 50, we've broken into the top 50 Speaking of comedy, someone who's predominantly known as a bit of a humorist himself, but also a damn genius, Frank Zappa, the late, great Frank Zappa. It's even weird me saying the late, great Frank Zappa in a sense, because there's just always so much stuff coming out about Frank, all these reissues and everything and box sets and even just official reissues of the official studio albums that came out during his lifetime. It seems like he's still with us, and that's really freaking cool. Like, I don't have to mourn him as much, because there's always just stuff to listen to. And apparently I log in a lot of time with Frank. If you, if all your Spotify stats came in for the year as I'm recording this on today, it says that Frank was my number one artist of the year, which... I guess it was a bit of a surprise. Obviously, I'm a fan, but I was like, okay, yeah. So when I listen to stuff, it's always like a long record. So I log a lot of Frank minutes here on the streaming services. Sue me. But I do own a lot, a overtly psychopathic, healthy amount of Frank Zappa material, including this one right here, the number 50 album, Ship Arriving Too Late to Save a Drowning Witch, which came out on May 3rd, 1982, of course, course it was self-produced it's the fandango format as i like to say half studio half live so i'm counting it as a studio album and not an on and in because with frank man he recorded on the cheap so he would record all new material during the shows he would play and then you know punch them up in the studio afterwards a really quick easy cheap way to make records so the material on this album had never been released before, so it definitely counts as a real full-length studio album. Get this, by the way. So Frank had been pro, as in putting out you know albums professionally since 1967 with the Mothers of Invention. So you do the math, a whole 15 years later, 
He's already up to his 35th official release here with this album. And of note, of course, his biggest selling single and biggest hit single of all time. It broke into the top 40 on the singles charts. And a lot of people discovered Frank who hadn't before. I can't hate on this song. It's a fun song. It's because of the structure of it. It's almost considered a novelty song. But how can I not play it? It's Frank's biggest song of all time. And it's a fun way to kick off the show right here. And this is about as 1982 as it gets. So come on. Here's Frank, of course, with special guest vocals and co-write from his daughter, Moon Unit Zappa. This is Valley Girl. Teeth are like too small, but no biggie. So awesome. 
it's like tubular, you know? Well, I'm not like really ugly or anything. It's just like, I don't know. <laughs> you know me, I'm like into the, like the clean stuff, like Pac-Man and like, I don't know. Like my mother like makes me do the dishes. It's like so gross. Like all the stuff like sticks to the plate. And it's like, it's like somebody else's food, you know? It's like grody, grody to the max. I'm sure. It's like really nauseating. Like, bark out. Gag me with the spoon. Gross. I am sure. <laughs> totally. Kicking off the show here today with one of the great composers in our lifetime. That was Frank Zappa, along with his daughter Moon Unit Zappa with Valley Girl. And I always say this when it comes to Zappa. If you are remotely Zappa curious, you want to get one thing right off the bat or listen to it however you can and that would be the strictly commercial compilation it was a one cd best of frank zappa or basically a 101 a catalog sampler whatever you need to get into that guy's music if you listen to strictly commercial and you're not even remotely interested to pursue past that or it doesn't make it doesn't pique your interest then don't pursue frank that is your litmus test right there. So strictly commercial, the best of Frank Zappa. If you don't like that, then go no further. So, all right, coming in at number 49 right here. This is another album. This is quite a handful of albums on this countdown that I had never heard, at least in full, prior to doing this particular batch of episodes. So glad I listened to this record. This thing is awesome. So Nick Lowe, who was on a roll, man. He'd done the Rock Pile Records, of course, his initial solo albums. They're all very good. Some of the best power pop albums you'll ever hear. And this one's no exception. I really, really enjoy this record. It's called Nick the Knife. Came out on February 12th, 1982. Self-produced because he's awesome. Nick Lowe, I think, is one of those guys that people take for granted. But, man, get into some of his stuff, especially his early stuff and his Rock Pile stuff. It's Really, really good classic rock and roll. And I'm actually picking this song because I feel like it's a good follow-up after hearing a Frank Zappa song. This is definitely a song after Frank's heart right here, just with the song title alone, but it's a fun, biting song. So here you go. My current favorite song off of Nick the Knife. This is Stick It Where the Sun Don't Shine.
All right, some Nick Lowe right there. Stick it where the sun don't shine from Nick the Knife. Go get that record. Go check it out. It's a really good record. And I didn't do this at the top of the show, but basically this part right here, what are we up to? Part four right here. Parts four and five, all the albums that you're going to hear on those particular episodes, they basically got the same amount of points. I just basically shifted them around into where I thought they were right now as far as being personal favorites ranking them as such but also for the purposes of pacing the show maybe a little bit so for what it's worth this episode and the next one they're basically all tied if, if it makes you sleep better at night you know if it's like how could you put that over that well i did and i didn't so there you have it once we get into like the top 30 it's going to be pretty solid so just consider these two episodes blocks but i did rank them and i am counting them down so moving over here album number 48 with the first ever real Japanese metal band in loudness now I don't know if another metal band existed in Japan prior to loudness but I do know that they were the first ones to make it big out of Japan they were the first all Japanese band to be a metal band and be signed to a major label so I believe that counts and that's definitely something that should be applauded Obviously on principle, but Loudness has always been a kick-ass band from day one. So happy to have them here on the top albums of 1982. Coming in at number 48 is pretty good, considering that they're still in kind of the more obscure era of their career to albums that most people really haven't bought. But I actually enjoyed this album. Their sophomore album here called Devil Soldier came out on July 21st of 82, produced by Daiko Nagato. And the production's pretty rough on this, but, you know, hey, I would definitely rather listen to this than, you know, hey, when it comes to, like, early 80s metal, I'm not big on the death metal or black metal, so there's albums of that genre that sound way worse than this record, or at least on par with this, and some of those albums are considered classics, apparently. But I'm pushing in here with loudness, because I love me some loudness. So here you go, from said album, Devil Soldier, this is Angel Dust.
All right. Hope you enjoyed that. I sure did. The Great Loudness with Angel Dust from their second album, Devil Soldier, coming at number 48 here on the countdown. Man, Minoru Nihara can wail. What a great singer that guy is. I mean, Akira is a great guitar player, too. Those guys can play, man. And so much respect. Loudness actually coming to town next year in my neck of the woods. I'm definitely going to go see them. How can I not go to that show? On principle. And in an intimate setting, let's just say. They're playing at trees. So if I don't go, I suck. I'm just throwing it out there in the universe right now. And if the C of C and J radio here, Chris, if you're listening, we're going to that show, okay? Damn, we're so going. Okay. From one of Japan's finest metal bands, if not their greatest of all time, to at least the second greatest German heavy metal band to ever make it out of there, and except, yes, I love me some except, Udo Dirk Schneider, one of the great singers in the history of heavy metal. That guy is massively underappreciated. He rules. and But I got to say, like, you know, I like Restless and Wild. I think it's a pretty good album. I think Breaker's better. I think Balls of the Wall is better. And Restless and Wild, it definitely gets a pass a lot in the overall history of heavy metal. And that's definitely because of the song I'm going to play right here. I mean, this song is so good. It does kind of carry the record, I think. Not to say the rest of the record is bad or anything, but man, this one just kind of says it all. So let's just play it right here from Restless and Wild. Here's the kickoff track and one of the massive needle movers in the history of heavy metal right here. This is Fast as a Shark.
There you go. Some accept right there. Fast as a shark. And it is for sure. That song, if you didn't know, if you're not a big metal historian or metal snob, that song is apparently very influential in creating what would really become thrash metal throughout the 80s. And another band that gets credit for that, but they've never considered themselves a metal band, is our next band that's up right now, Motorhead. Yes, don't don't throw stones at me. Yeah, Motorhead might be a little low on this list by most opinions, but I gotta say, 82 such a big year. 46 is not a bad placement at all, and I'm not just saying that. I do love me some Motorhead. I'm a fan. I own every studio album in one format or another. Got the box set. You know, got the DVDs, got all that stuff. So I'm a fan. But Iron Fist, it's it's pretty good. It's like three quarters good. It sits between Ace of Spades and Another Perfect Day in their catalog. And I think both of those albums are a lot better. But there is some stuff to love on Iron Fist for sure. Like the title track and Speed Freak and Don't Let Them Grind You Down and all that stuff. There's some fun stuff on here. But yeah, you know, like I said, it did pretty well in the scoring system. But it's just not... Uh, it's not one of those upper echelon Motorhead albums for me. But, like I said, some good stuff to be had, including this one right here. There's a lot of songs on this album, actually, that other people have used as song titles. And this is no exception. So here you go. This is Motorhead with Heart of Stone. Motorhead right there with Heart of Stone from Iron Fist from 1982. You know, I didn't even realize the placement here, but except that it was on earlier and Motorhead just now and this next one we're about to play, they all kind of have the same thing in common that I've already mentioned that I liked all of these other bands' previous albums and not so much the one they were rocking in 82, even though they're still pretty good. They're still three quarters good. And the same goes for Girls School right here. Yet another band 
that owes a lot and was endorsed early on by Motorhead, by the way. So there's another great tie. And I, I love that Motorhead gave it up for a lot of my favorite bands of all time. It gave them the nod, endorsed Girl School, uh, helped out Twisted Sister a lot in the UK and got them over, which, you know, of course led to their big break later on in America. I remember him giving it up for like Airborne and Danko Jones, you know, some of the greatest bands of all time. Lemmy had a great ear. He knew great music. And Girl School, another great band right here. You know, hit and run before this, better album. But Scream Blue Murder, not a bad album either. Pretty worthy of your time. It came out on June 7th of 1982, produced by Nigel Gray. And let's just go with the title track here. It's my current favorite here on the record. So yeah, turn it up for these ladies that scared Lemmy. This is Girls' School with Screaming Blue Murder. about that right there screaming blue murder from girls school that's a, that's a great song that that song is so good it makes me think that i was wrong about my point system here no but yeah like i said it's it's three quarters good any girls school album even the so-so ones are worth pursuing because their so-so albums are better than most bands albums so for, yeah check them out if you've never done it uh, they're great and further proof positive that th- these are all kind of blocks of the same time 
It's because you know I'm not saying this next album is better than the Girl School or Motorhead or Accept albums. It really just boils down to what mood are you in, and in a certain mood, this is one of the great albums of 1982 for sure. And for my money, this band's best overall album, which was their sophomore album, you can't say that about a whole lot of bands, but Berlin put out what I consider to be their best album in 1982, in October of 1982 to be precise. I was looking at the back of this CD, and it reads like a hip-hop album, because of the producers, really. So it says it's produced by Daniel R. Van Patten and the Malmen. It's like, what is that? Okay, anyway, but... This is one of those albums I've had for a long time, so it was actually difficult to pick a song to represent it. They definitely, and this is obviously thanks to Terry Nunn for sure, they all have a very inherent sexiness to it, no matter what, and the music's got a cool, dark feel to it. It's like kind of straddling the line between the new romantic stuff, new wave, and a little bit of goth, actually, from a production standpoint. And of course, there's a lot of pop in there, too. I mean, of course, it has to be. Uh, but I'm going to go with this one right here. Always been my overall favorite on the record, so let's do it, shall we? This is The Metro. Yeah. 
Coming in at number 43, the Pleasure Victim album by Berlin, and that was the Metro. Uh, so just in case you didn't know this and you happen to like that song, I, I love the song, but the Metro was actually covered by System of a Down uh, somewhere in the early 2000s or something like that. It wound up on a couple of different comps or soundtracks. I'm, I think one of them was not another team movie, and I know it was on something else. I remember going, hey, this Metro cover is getting some traction. It never became a real big radio hit for him or anything, but it's a super fun cover. If you never heard it, go check it out. Moving over to number 43 right here, this band, a true alternative. And I didn't realize this just to see how it lined up here. Three female-driven acts in a row. That's pretty cool. So with this one right here, and if you're surprised by this entry, I'm just as surprised, if not more surprised. But I listened to this record. I really enjoyed it. Maybe just because it just, maybe I heard a whole bunch of the same kind of things in a row and this one really stuck out. But man, I think this record is really awesome. And that's the debut album by The Waitresses called Wasn't Tomorrow Wonderful? And I, I think really 40 years on, Patty Donahue, the late lead singer of The Waitresses, she was kind of a trailblazer, man, because you hear a lot of ladies out there in pop music right now and all turn pop and all that kind of hipster stuff you hear a lot of these kind of vocals now and this used to not be the norm like i feel like the waitresses and romeo void they were real underappreciated at the time but i think there's a lot of influence from those bands right now even if they don't realize that the bands that are actually doing it right now i don't think they realize how important those bands are but back to the waitresses Really enjoyed this album. Wasn't Tomorrow Wonderful? I know most everybody knows their two biggest songs, Christmas Rapping and I Know What Boys Like. And I Know What Boys Like does appear on this album, but I'm going with this one right here because this is the opening track on the record and it really sets the tone. And I, I just think it's a cool, fun song. And I love the message. I love the lyrics. It's just one of those songs that really connected with me. So... It's real on the nose. If you've ever been in a bad relationship and once you're out of it, you'd kind of just start thriving. This song's for you. This is no guilt. Needed new posters, so I bought them. I know the cost of stamps now. The 31st is when I pay the phone bill. I told them I don't even know anybody in Toronto. Every day at 7. Watching Waller, I've been reading more and looking up the hard words. I met people who get me on the guest list. My parents said that they would help me pay for grad school. You know, I had never watched a sweater. I never knew when my hair was too long. I got the cab calls out of the hi-fi. I learned a lot since you've been gone. I've done a lot since you've been gone.
really fine. Everything's great. I'm doing all right. Really, really, everything's fine. What? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Everything's great. No Guilt right there by The Waitresses featuring trailblazing vocals there by the late Patty Donahue. In the same year, Patty did a guest vocal spot on an album that will appear later on on this countdown. So there is a nice little radio podcast tease for you. And we move on here to the second to last record of this particular evening at number 42 and way into something completely different with Rush. And their ninth album, Signals, co-produced by the band and Terry Brown. Hey, Signals is a pretty damn good record. It's not my top three rush, not in my bottom three, as the cliche goes. There's a lot to love on this album. Of course, you got Subdivisions, you got New World Man, and it's them like really getting into the height of their 80s sound, which I believe, in my opinion, would peak with Grace Under Pressure. But it's amazing how a band like that really has good records in the 80s and they don't sound like pathetic, like they're trying to fit in. It just seemed like a natural progression for them. So I think that's really cool. It's something to be applauded. A lot of people hit the panic button early on in the 80s. You know who you are. But Rush just seemed to be like, yeah, okay. I like it. That's what we're doing now. We've kind of used keyboards before. We'll go extra hard on them now. And we'll write pop songs to get on the radio. How about that, eh? Eh? So, anyway, yes. Let's applaud Rush. You guys are very missed. One of the great bands of all time. So, to represent this album, Signals, my personal favorite song on this record. I mean, I guess after the singles. We're not going to lie to ourselves here, but this one's really great. I'm surprised this wasn't like the strong third single off of it. Apparently, Countdown, as I'm reading right here, was the third single. And that's fine. But let's go with this one right here, man. Turn it up. This is the Analog Kid. Guess that the new house the trees in constant 
strong entry there at number 42, Rush from the Signals album. That was the Analog Kid. I mean, Getty's always destroying it on the bass, but I feel like that's definitely a next-level Getty bass song right there. All right, number 41, and the last song of this particular evening, move over to a band that was definitely a very important band early on in my musical fandom. They were hitting their stride in the States in 1982, even though they've been doing very well in their native UK for the longest time. The Great Madness, their album The Rise and Fall, it's actually their fourth full-length album. Came out November 5th, 1982. Co-produced by Clive Langer and Alan Winstanley. There's a name for you. Uh, but yeah, so full confession, I mean, I didn't know of Madness a whole lot in 82, but in 83, Our House made its way over into the States as a very big hit. And I've talked about throughout this countdown some of the moves that the labels would make to try to get international bands over here in America. And they did kind of the same thing with Madness, because Rise and Fall, I believe, was only an import over here. And they put out the self-titled compilation just called Madness in 83, and it had Our House on it, and it had most of the Rise and Fall on there. That's the album that I know. Like, I have a massive affinity for that self-titled album, and I just assumed that it was a straight-up studio album, that everything about it was planned and it wasn't some put-together comp slash best-of slash little bit of rise and fall. Didn't know any of that, obviously. So going back you know, years later and listening to the rise and fall as it was properly intended, it threw me off a bit. I still like it quite a bit, but it's not that perfect album that I look to as the 83 comp is. And that's not this album's fault. That's just how I feel. So I have some nostalgia for this record, and some I don't. It's kind of a half and half for me. But overall, song-wise, it's definitely over three-quarters good. And it's in a really nice block here. And I'm not going to play Our House. Everybody knows Our House, and I'm not hating on it. Our House is a perfect song for sure. But I'm going to go with this one right here. This was the second single released off of it. And... On the 83 comp, it's track two, so it follows up our house very well. Here's a nice little ditty by Madness. This is Tomorrow's Just Another Day. Just 
Closing off the show here today and coming in at number 41 on the top 80 albums of 1982. That was a band who is still on my bucket list to see live at some point. Madness. That was Tomorrow's Just Another Day. Fittingly, our closing song because tomorrow is just another day. And tomorrow you're going to get two more of these countdown episodes because I'm going hard. So I hope you're in it for the long haul here. Speaking of the UK, Sir Chris Riley, I love what you do here. You go out of your way to listen to every one of these albums in full as you do the show. So I know I put a lot on your plate. I'm not going to be mad at you if you don't listen to every record. But I am massively intrigued to see your journey and if you do them all. But like I said, I don't blame you if you don't. You are the most immersive listener, and I love you, man. Okay. We're going to go ahead and get out of here. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to crack the top 40. Still a lot of great, great records to come. we got 40 more unique records to talk about in 1982. How cool is that? So until then, stay tuned for my better half, Nola, with the plugs, followed by the best damn outro song in all the podcasting business. Take it away, Nola. We would like to thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. You can reach us on Facebook or Twitter. We love getting messages and always do our best to respond. Every time you share our show, we give our cats Ruby and Ripley a treat. We are on Twitter at RockStrikes10 and the direct email is RockStrikes10 at gmail.com. When you search for us, the number 10 is always spelled out. If you would like to support our show financially, we do have RockStrikes10 shirts for sale. For $20, we will ship you out a high quality, soft as heck, next level branded shirt and a button. Send us an email or direct message for more details or to order. Please help us spread the word about this show and all of our other quality shows by listening, liking, subscribing, and sharing. Our official website is cnjradio.com. You can visit this site for all episodes of Rock Strikes 10 going all the way back to episode number one. While you're on cnjradio.com, check out some of these other quality shows. The Wrestling House Show, a pro wrestling podcast unlike any other. The Synaptic Empire Audio Transmissions, hosted by Randy Brown, a true alternative. The Last Theater, starring Chris, where cinema's trash is treated like treasure. And the I Am Vinyl Podcast with Pete LaRussa and occasionally Joey. We also highly recommend that you check out our good friend Mark Striegel, who can now be heard exclusively on SiriusXM as part of Ozzy's Boneyard and Hair Nation. Last, but certainly not least, we would like to give an extra special thanks to the great Pete LaRussa and the band Spacebeard for the best outro song in the business. Go to facebook.com slash spacebeardband to purchase their music and make sure to tell them that Rock Strikes 10 sent ya. We hope you tune into the next show. Until then, have fun. Game show is brought to you by Christ. I can't find it. The hell with it.